You're listening to Time in the Word. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18, Paul wrote, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. In an earlier chapter of that same epistle, Paul said, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. In this final study of the doctrine of the rapture of the church, Dr. Gonzalez continues to argue for the pre-tribulational rapture of the church by presenting the final four biblical arguments. As God ministers to you through this series of studies, and as you experience God's love and grace in your own life, Share these podcasts with others so that they too may be blessed by God's word and his amazing grace. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to study your word. We pray that you would open the eyes and ears of our hearts and of our mind and of our understanding so that we may grow in knowledge and wisdom and be conformed to the image of Christ. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome back. If you have been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we have spent some uh, time now st- uh, looking at the Bible and uh, what we deem tomorrow's headlines today. Uh, we have already started a study in the doctrine of the rapture. This is going to be part three. I think we will finish the material, or le- the lesson, on uh, this particular program. Uh, we were looking at the time of the rapture in, in relation to the tribulation period. We uh, already said that there are some who hold that the rapture will occur uh, midway through the seven-year seven tribulation period. There are others who believe that the church will be here for the entire seven years. We have been making the case for the pre-tribulational uh, position or, or view. We believe that Scripture is clear in teaching that the church will be gone by the time the tribulation period begins. Uh, We were presenting the eight reasons why we believe this. We had already discussed the first four, and I'll just give you the uh, first four without elaborating. The first one that we looked at was uh, we believe that the church will be gone before the tribulation because Christ promised uh, to deliver us. The second one we looked at was the doctrine of His imminent return. Uh, the third one that we had looked at was the church's exemption from the wrath to come. And the fourth one, and this is where we ended last week, was considering the purposes of the tribulation. And I wanted to stop there because I didn't want to start point number five with, without giving myself enough time to uh, uh, expand on it and make some application. But the fifth reason that uh, we hold uh, or believe that the rapture will occur Uh, prior to the beginning of the tribulation is because there is a need for an interval. Uh, uh, Let me explain. The Bible teaches us that there are essentially three events that that, that will take place before the second coming of Christ, but after the rapture. The first of all, the first one is the judgment seat of Christ. And this is something that all believers... uh, uh, will be present at. Uh, there's a couple passages that I want to look at. For example, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, this is what Peter said. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Uh, what Peter is indicating here is that the church and every individual Christian will come before the Bema seat of Christ and where his works will be judged not to determine his salvation. His salvation has been secured because he has trusted Jesus Christ already on this earth as his Lord and Savior. He's going to heaven to appear before Christ so that Christ can judge his works and reward him accordingly for his faithfulness to the Lord. Another passage that we can look at is Revelation chapter 22. Uh, John uh, says this in Revelation chapter 22 and verse uh, 12. Or Jesus says this, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Again, a reference to the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul uh, expands on this in his epistle to the Corinthian church. In fact, in both of his epistles to the Corinthian church, he talks about this. I want to spend a little bit of time looking at this because, and make some application uh, for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, starting in verse 11, this is what uh, Paul said. Uh, for for no one can lay any foundation other than, um, lost my place, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ, Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Listen, this is essentially one of the reasons why we believe that the rapture needs to occur first. One of the events that will occur after the rapture but before the second coming is Christians coming before the Bema Seat of Christ to have their works that were done here on earth judged. By way of application, I want us to consider the important, uh, importance of this passage for us today. Listen, if it is a reality, and it is a reality because the Word of God says it's going to happen, this is, we don't have the luxury as individuals to decide which parts of Scripture apply to us and which parts of Scripture do not. The Word of God is relevant for all Christians of all times, uh, of, of every era within the church uh, uh, dispensation of grace. Listen, God says in His Word that every single Christian will appear before Christ and have His works judged. Once those works are judged, if they stand and survive the judgment or the, or, 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 uh, the judgment, they, those Christians will receive reward. If they do not, they will suffer loss of reward, not of their salvation, loss of reward. Now, if we are to make application of this to our day, to, to, to the present day, 
If the rapture were to happen today, and, and listen, it's important that we think about these things because they help us set the priorities for our life. If the rapture can occur at any moment, and we argue that it can, there's nothing that needs to occur before the rapture can occur. If the rapture happens at any moment, and it happens tomorrow, and we come before Christ to have our lives evaluated and our works uh, judged, how will we as Christians, and I'm talking about us individually, how will we make out? Listen, there is nothing that will not be exposed at the judgment seat of Christ, including the motives for which we do what we do. And it's a sad commentary, and it's a sad thing to have to say that, listen, I believe that there's a lot of things that many Christians do, but they do not do them for the right reason. And those motives will be exposed, and because of the reasons for which they did what they did, they will suffer the loss of rewards. Our life is not about ourselves. It's all about God, and it's all about living for His glory and bringing Him honor and glory through everything that we do, say, and think. Life is not about me. By the grace of God, I can experience true life, but true life is meant to be lived for the glory of our Creator. And everything that we do or fail to do as Christians will be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ. If the rapture happens tomorrow, and you come before the judgment seat of Christ, which you will, every single Christian will come before the bema seat of Christ. And your life is going to be judged and the works that you did or failed to do are going to be judged. How will you fare in terms of the rewards that either you will get or that you will lose for, 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 for failure to do in what you were supposed to do? Listen, it is imperative that we as believers understand that God has given us the privilege to be able to live another day to be a witness for Him and to continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that more and more may enter into a personal relationship with Him and be saved. Alright, the second reason why there's a need for an interval, interval, I'm sorry, interval, is that uh, uh, for the marriage of the Lamb. According to Revelation chapter 19 and verses 7 through 9, this is what Scripture says. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9, uh, it says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Listen, the marriage of the Lamb is a very important event for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the time where uh, the bridegroom and the bride 
come together to share eternity together. This is the reason for which Jesus died for, 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 for individuals, so that we could become part of the body of Christ, so that we may make up the church and one day be brought to Him and, and, and joined to Him uh, forevermore. In fact, uh, uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5.27 that one of the reasons that, that we're saved is that so one day we might be presented to Him as a church in all our glory, having no spot or wrinkle or blemish uh, or whatsoever. This has to occur between the rapture and the second coming. John uh, Walvoord, a great uh, um, prophecy scholar, uh, said this concerning the marriage of the lambs. He said, The implication is evident that those in heaven who compose the bride are already translated or resurrected and their righteous acts determined and rewarded. So he, in essence, says that if we look at the sequence of events, uh, the rapture takes place, the judgment seat of Christ takes place, and then the marriage of the Lamb. And he continues to say, if the church is to be judged, rewarded, and joined to Christ in the symbol of the marriage before the second advent, an interval of time is required. So we know, at least at this point, that there's two reasons uh, for the interval. One, the judgment seat of Christ to the marriage of the Lamb, but there's a third reason why there must be an interval. The salvation of those who will enter the millennium kingdom. At the time of the rapture, all Christians, both living and dead, will be caught up and presented to Christ and gathered together with Christ in the air. There will be nobody left on planet earth who is a believer, a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. All Christians will have been caught up in the air to meet with the Lord. But we know for a fact that, that, that when Christ returns literally, physically, in the second phase of the second coming, which is when he actually comes to establish his kingdom, there will be human beings who will have been saved during the tribulation period who will come into the millennium kingdom as human beings and repopulate the earth. This will be those who Christ will govern over during the millennium kingdom. So during the tribulation period, the third, thing, the third thing that is going to occur is Christ allowing people, individuals, to be saved during the tribulation period so that when the tribulation ends and those who have survived, they will enter physically into the millennium kingdom of Christ and propagate and fill the earth once again. Paul Benware, another great uh, uh, prophecy expert, says this, The scripture declares emphatically that life on earth in the millennium relates to a people not translated and not resurrected, a people still in their mortal bodies. Isaiah 65, 20-25 declares of the inhabitants, uh, particularly of Jerusalem, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. The passage closes with a description of, uh, of millennium conditions, obviously 
only a people in mortal flesh build houses, plant, work, and have offspring. Okay, so that was reason number five. Reason number six why we believe that the rapture will take place prior to the beginning of the tribulation. Because the church will be in heaven. Listen, and we've already discussed, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one because we've already discussed some of the points that are part of this. We've already said that the scripture clearly indicates that the time of the tribulation is referred to in scripture as the time of Jacob's trouble. The church, according to scripture, will be in heaven. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, or if you're interested in reading the book of Revelation, take note of this. In the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, the church is mentioned about 17 times. If you take note, from chapters 4 through chapter 18, the church, and this is the time of Jacob's trouble, chapter 4 begins, begins the time of the tribulation, chapter 18 ends the time of the tribulation, and if you take note, nowhere in those chapters of the book of Revelation is the church ever mentioned, not even once. In fact, the church is not mentioned again till chapter 19 of Revelation, which is the chapter that speaks about Christ coming back with the church to establish the millennium kingdom. Listen, the rapture takes place before the tribulation because, uh, because the church will be in heaven, going through the judgment seat of Christ, going through the marriage supper, and, 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 and will not be mentioned again until it returns, the church returns with Christ to establish the millennium kingdom. And the fact that in the book of Revelation there's not mention of the church at all between chapters 4 and 18 is, makes evident that this is uh, a reality in terms of, 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 of proper interpretation. The seventh reason why we believe that the rapture will take place prior to the beginning of of the millennium, um, I mean of the tribulation, is because of the distinctions between uh, the church and Israel. Let me read you a, a, a statement made by Louis Barbieri, another prophecy scholar, who said this, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus announced to his disciples that he was going to, that, uh, to be building his church. His use of the future tense, will build, implies that the building of the church was something Jesus would be initiating in the future. While God's program for the church was clearly in his mind from all eternity, the church has a specific beginning point and ending point in history. One must understand the distinction between God's program for the church and his program for Israel to grasp properly his plan for the future. Listen. And this is one of the reasons why there is misinterpretation regarding prophecy by uh, a number of other, uh, by other Christians. The church, listen to me, the church and Israel are two separate entities. As a matter of fact, nowhere in the Bible does the term Israel ever refer to the church. It always refers to the physical posterity of uh, of Abraham and Jacob. There are numerous passages that clearly indicate that the birth of the church, after the birth of the church, I'm sorry, 
Israel is still regarded as a separate entity. And I'm, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just going to read, I'm not going to read these passages, but I'll give you the references. Romans chapter 9, verse 6, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. There you will find a clear distinction between the church and Israel. Okay? Uh, nowhere does Scripture indicate that the church has inherited the unconditional promises which God made to Israel. As a matter of a fact, it makes no sense whatsoever to say that, 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 that the promises God made to Israel were unconditional if they are translated and are inherited by the church. How could the promises be said to, uh, be, said to be unconditional if they no longer are to be fulfilled with, uh, with, a, with Israel as a separate entity altogether from the church. Obviously, Israel and the church are two separate entities. As a matter of fact, we know from, from Paul, Paul's statement in Romans chapter 11, verses 11, uh, 17 through 25, that all God has done is He has set aside the nation of Israel at the beginning when the church was born, and during the church age, he has been focused in dealing exclusively with the church, and that once the church is raptured, God goes back to dealing with the nation of Israel, and that is the seven-year tribulation. And remember that we mentioned that one of the purposes for the tribulation is God preparing Israel for uh, his king and the kingdom. Finally, the last one I want to uh, discuss is the eighth reason why we believe the rapture will occur prior to the tribulation is because of the distinctions between the rapture and the second coming. Listen, Scripture clearly indicates that the rapture and the second coming are two completely distinct events in future history. The rapture occurs in fulfillment to promises made by Christ to the church in that He would come back uh, to take the church to be with Him where He is going to be forever. The second coming is Christ returning with the church to set up the millennium kingdom on, uh, here on earth over which He will reign literally for a thousand years. Years. There are many differences uh, found in Scripture concerning the two events. For example, I'll give you a number of references. We've looked at some of these already in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. You see, you see clearly stated by Paul that uh, the, the first phase is Christ descending in the air and, snat and, 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 and summoning the church to be with Him. And in passages such as uh, Joel... Uh, 3, 12 through 16, or Zechariah 14, 1 through 5, we're told that Christ literally descends on the Mount of Olives and His feet touch the Mount of Olives. And, and as a result, there's a great topographical uh, 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 change uh, as a result of His second coming. In fact, uh, the Mount of Olives will be split as a result of Him touching uh, the earth. Now, his second coming is essentially a fulfillment of what the angels told uh, uh, the disciples uh, when they witnessed the ascension. Remember they said in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been 
take him from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The second coming is a fulfillment of that uh, statement made by the angel uh, to the disciples as they witness uh, Christ ascending into heaven. Folks, it is important that we understand the difference and it is important that we understand that Christ has not the church has not been appointed to endure any of the tribulation period because none of the purposes for the tribulation pertain to the church. The church is the, the bride of Christ. It is the object of Christ's love. And, and the Bible clearly indicates through the writings of Paul that uh, he will spare us from the tribulation. Father, we thank you for this time. May our lives bring you glory and honor and may we live uh, expecting his return at any moment. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.